In Jesus' name, amen. Now, um, we've been doing this series on the Ten Commandments. Ten keys to live in large. And remember the Ten Commandments are the foundation for our lives. You can't build a good house or a strong house unless you build it on the right foundation. And God laid these down in ten simple sentences in His Word. And they're all repeated, even though that's Old Testament, it's Old Testament law, specifically written to the Jews at that time, every one of the Ten Commandments is still repeated in principle in the New Testament. So I think that we're still supposed to obey these. We don't obey these to get saved. We obey these so that God will bless us and live a godly life, a separated life, so people can tell uh, that we're different. And so we call these ten keys to living large because it's like a key. You have to open these keys if you really want to have the life you really want. See, you really want this life whether you realize it or not. But you have to learn how to open these keys and it will begin to unfold to you. All right, now, we uh, said these uh, are from the Ten Commandments. God gave these commandments to Moses on Mount Sinai and they are a word from God. Now, here's what's going to happen if you, uh, if you listen to this and you obey it. Proverbs 15, verse 31. If you listen to constructive criticism, that is, help for you, you're going this way, but you need to obey the Ten Commandments. If you listen to constructive criticism, you'll be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline... You only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. Listen to this one. Listen to this one. Proverbs 16, verse 20. Those who listen to instruction will prosper. Those who trust the Lord will be joyful. Now, we said here the Ten Commandments, going to go through them real quick, put the Lord first, accept no substitutes, take God seriously, use a day to pause, rest, and worship. That's what you're doing today. You're obeying that command. Respect and obey your parents. Honor and protect human life. Practice and promote sexual purity. And here's what we're going to talk about today. Get things honestly. Thou shalt not steal. Be truthful and learn to be content. Those are the six keys that will open up life the way that you want it. God says, here's one of the keys, don't steal. Learn to get things honestly. Now, when we think about thou shalt not steal, here's what we normally think about. We think about a guy like that, right? Breaking into the house, you know, sneakily with a mask on, trying to be quiet, Shh, maybe that's he's doing that to his other robber, and going in there and pulling out of the house. Now, I remember one of the first things I remember as a little kid, we had a McDonald's that was like 30 minutes away. It was in Sandy Springs, Joyce. And that was the first McDonald's there on Roswell Road in Sandy Springs. She used to live kind of near there. And we had to drive 30, 30 minutes to there. Of course, that's about like it is now over Nash Flat. But, but I had like five, they've got like 10 McDonald's in my hometown now. But when I first went to McDonald's, I got a little Ronald McDonald dog. 
And I, I got uh, one of those other dolls, uh, but I got this doll, the Hamburglar. Remember him? How many of y'all remember the Hamburglar? Okay, that was one of my, my little dolls right there. He's stealing some cheeseburgers right there. So anyway, that's what I first thought of when I heard about thou shalt not steal. Don't want to be like the Hamburglar, okay? All right, now there are four things that we're going to talk about this, this morning. Uh, we're going to talk about how do we steal, that's point number one. Point number two, what makes us steal? What is the motivation behind why we would even want to steal? Why sh- we should not steal? Should we not steal? I mean, why is this that big of a deal if you just take a little bit of something? And then, what if I've stolen? Now, truth be told, by the end of this message, you're going to realize that just about all of us have broken this commandment in some form or way. We may not have robbed a bank, But I believe everybody in here probably has broken this commandment. So what do we do to make it right? So we're going to take a look at that. Now the first thing we're going to talk about is how do we steal? We've got to define stealing. Stealing is taking something that does not rightfully belong to you. Okay? Now if I were to go over here and I were to say, I, I meant to bring my keys out. But if I were to go over to here to Dennis and I, I said, Dennis, would you hand me my keys? If he handed me those keys, uh, that's rightfully mine, okay? Because I actually own that car out there, thanks to my dad who passed away and gave it to me, okay? <laughs> the other one the bank still owns, right? We're still paying on that one. But if he were to hand me those keys out of his pocket, those are rightfully mine. Even though he possesses them, if I go get them, they're rightfully mine. But if I were to say, Dennis, hand me the keys to your car. You got your keys on you? You don't have your keys on you? Left them in the car. Somebody going to steal them. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, if he were to hand me his keys, I mean, if I were to say, Dennis, give me those keys, boy, and I were to wrestle them from him, even though they're the same thing, I would be stealing because those are not rightfully mine. Those are rightfully His. Now, on it, obviously, we know this definition, but we need to really camp out on that word. word. Stealing is taking something that does not rightfully belong to you. Now, let's take a look at this. It's pretty amazing how... Let me mention this and then we'll go to that. Sorry, I jumped ahead here with my PowerPoints. How many of you have ever had anything stolen from you? Raise your hand. At your house or somebody, even if it's just a little thing like a pen or a pencil, just about every one of us, look at that, has been affected by stealing. I remember the first time anybody ever stole something was me. I had a really nice glove that I really liked. I was probably in second or third grade, but I loved that baseball glove. It was perfect. And I came home one day, and the glove was not there. And it was the weirdest feeling. First time I was old enough to really understand, somebody stole my glove. It took a, a little bit, and I finally found it. One of my friends, we'd had a little argument, and he lived kind of next to me. He wasn't a friend friend, but he was a compulsive liar. Okay? So anyway, he said, man, I found your glove. I pulled, there was a pond over there, and I pulled it out of there. Yeah, right. Even then, I was like, you lying dog. Okay. But that was my first experience with stealing. 
The next experience of stealing that I had was my dad used to park his lawnmower in our carport. Back then you could do that. His snapper lawnmower, riding lawnmower. We came one day and dad said, where's the lawnmower? Because he had to pull up carefully to it. And we looked and in the grass you could see the tracks to that lawnmower. There were some druggies that lived way down on the other end of our neighborhood and we think they probably stole it to get drug money. And it, that was the first time that I really felt like we had been violated. You ever heard that word, violated? Someone gets raped, they feel violated because someone stole their virginity or st stole something from them. I remember when I was at Green Hills as a youth pastor where I first met Gail 25-some years ago. She was one of my youth workers at that time. But I remember I had a Nike jacket, and I'm telling you, Billy, it looked awesome. I mean, it was the coolest-looking jacket. I, my favorite jacket I ever had. And oftentimes when I was teaching, I'd put it in my, in my office or something like that. That jacket went missing. I think I knew which kid stole it, but I couldn't prove it. It was an awful thing, an awful thing when that happens. And so all of us have been affected by theft. There was another time I got an iPod. I had a, you know, before they had the Apple Watches, they had a little iPod that was about this big, 200 and something dollars back then. And I remember it got stolen in the hospital where Jay was when he was having his brain surgery. Who would go rip off a parent who's having a kid with a brain surgery or something like that? I'm telling you, it's an awful feeling, and just about everybody in here has experienced it to some degree or another. This is a major, major problem in the United States. Let me show you some stats here. If you can read them, I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do. I've got to get over here to really see them, okay? Uh, shoplifting is America's number one property crime. Shoplifting is a major crime that costs companies billions of dollars each year. This expensive addiction affects 1 in 11 people shoplift. Common items stolen range from groceries to high-end electronics that can be stolen in a variety of ways. Here are some alarms, alarming statistics on this dilemma. On the average, there are 550 shoplifting incidents per day. More than 30, uh, $13 billion worth of goods are stolen from retailers each year. $13 billion. That's more than $35 million per day. There are approximately 27 million shoplifters in our nation. That equals 10% of our nation is out-and-out -out thieves. Employee theft, now this blew my mind. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce reports that $50 billion are lost annually. Now this is different from shoplifting. $50 billion are lost annually due to employee theft and fraud. Employee theft is the fastest growing crime in the U.S. Look at this. 75% of all employees steal at least once. Half of the 75s steal at least twice. Now, here's the deal. 
This is how this just really messes us all up. Not only do we feel violated, but you know where, you know what those uh, employees, do, I mean, employers do, and the places like Walmart who get ripped off do. They raise their prices to cover that. You reap what you sow. You're going to pay for it in the long run. The sad thing is you're going to make everybody else pay for it in the long run. So, how do we, how do we uh, steal? Well, first of all, by deceiving customers. Now, most of us here don't own a business. Maybe some of us do own a business. But the Bible says in Amos 6 verse 5, they overcharge use false measures, and fix the scales to cheat the customers. How many of you know of a gas station somewhere and people say, well, they water down their gas a little bit. You know what they're doing? They're deceiving their customers. Many of us have been ripped off possibly hundreds of dollars. You have been ripped off hundreds of dollars because of theft by different companies. They overcharge. Now, there's nothing wrong with getting a profit. That's just, God expects us to do that. You ought to make a profit. You don't have to make a profit. You can't live off of it, right? But there's some people through deceptive pra practices overcharge. Especially you see it during a tornado or a hurricane or when there's been a natural disaster. Then people just jack up their gas prices real quick. That is theft is what that is. Theft. False advertising, exaggerating your product is stealing. Now here's another way that we steal. By depriving employers. Now again, most of us here won't own a business, but we're all going to be employees somewhere. Young people, you're going to be employees somewhere. Some of you in the next two or three years are going to get a job, maybe a summer job or... A job at nights, just make sure you don't work on Wednesday night and on Sundays, okay? Because <laughs> you need to be in the house of God. But um, listen to what the Bible says about working for someone. Colossians 3.23 Work hard and cheerfully at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. You know what you ought to be known for if you're still employed or hopefully what you were known for when you were employed is that you were a hard worker, you did your job, and you had the joy of the Lord with you. That's what makes a difference. But if you don't work hard, you're depriving your employers. Let me give you a, kind of a quick list of how people cheat their bosses in businesses that they work for. They take too long of a lunch break. They're not working, which leads to not working the appropriate number of hours. They make several personal telephone calls a day on company time. They waste a lot of time on the internet doing it during, uh, instead of doing it during their breaks. And so they... they, they uh, use company time to search the internet for shopping or whatever it may be. 
And then they go to other employees and sit there and drink coffee or something and just sit there and talk to them 15 or 20 minutes while they're on the clock. That is just as much stealing as if I were to go over there to Dennis and say, hand me your keys in God's sight by depriving employers. And by the way, let me just <laughs> tell you this. So, so you just won't uh, question me about this. During the day as I study God's Word, God will give me a verse or something. I immediately take that and post it on the Internet. You know why? Because that's my devotionals during the day. I save my other stuff till after the day is over. So I just want to tell you that in case you see me posting a devotional or something like that. Um, by depriving employers. All right, now here's this. By delaying payments. Listen to what the Bible says in Leviticus 19.13. Don't take advantage of anyone. Don't hold back the wages of someone you've hired, not even for one night. Now here's what a lot of employers do, is they don't pay their employees on time so they can use that to their advantage. And God says, don't do that. If you do that, if you delay your payment, you're actually stealing from them. But here's another thing, by delaying payments, let's put it around on us. I hope you pay your bills on time. I hope you do. If not, you're ruining your witness. One of the things that just bothers me to death is when preachers don't pay their bills. You talk about a poor witness in the community. What kind of preacher does that? If he's really wanting to walk with the Lord... You need to pay your bills on time. If you have to get an extra job for a while, you need to pay your bills. If you have to cut grass on the side, you need to pay your bills on time. And there are some people, that is just their lifestyle. They keep pushing it back and pushing it back, and they're like, well, we just don't have enough money, and yet they got four dogs at home that they feed. They smoke cigarettes and drink beer, you know? And uh, they have... Uh, internet and every kind of cable channel you want. It's not a matter... Listen, God will give you enough what you need if you'll put Him first. But you've got to organize your priorities. And you better not delay your payments. Okay? Now here's this. By defaulting on loans. Now one of these days, uh, young people, you're going to buy a house or whatever it is. or And... Uh, a bank will loan you money. Now, you've got to get approved. You've got to put 20% down these days. And you've got to get approved, and you've got to prove to them you make enough money to pay those payments. But you know what a lot of people do? They get in a financial tight, and they're just like, well, we'll just give up the house, and they quit paying on it, and they default. The bank loses. You lose because your credit score goes down, down the tank. Do you know what happened a few years ago? there was this bill that was passed about we need more people in houses. And so what they did is they really lowered the way you could get an easy, easy loan. And you know what happened? It messed this country up. Because a lot of these people couldn't afford it, yet the government said, we'll do it, we'll back you up. They defaulted on loans and caused us a major financial problem. Listen to what the Bible says about defaulting on loans. Psalm 37, 21. The wicked man borrows and never pays back. Now here's another way that we defraud is by dishonesty with taxes. You know, God talks about taxes. 
Listen to Romans 6 through 7. This is the good news version. I love it this way. The authorities are working for God. Pay what you owe them. Pay your personal and property taxes. That's a good modern translation. Hey, do you know why if we were to have a fire here that we would have firemen come out here? Because, the, uh, because taxes have helped pay for that fire engine. We have some volunteer firemen, of course. But in a lot of places, it's your tax dollars that pay for this. Uh, kids, did you know this? The reason you go to school, the reason you get lunches and all those kind of things, and you have a free education. Do you know, I think it costs like six or $7,000 per child. Debbie, maybe you could elaborate on that. I've heard that in different places. Six or $7,000 to educate you every year. Do you know that? Somebody's paying for it. It's those who pay their taxes. You'll be paying taxes one day. And I'm, I'm okay with that if they won't teach them liberal garbage in school. Amen? I don't think that's going on here, but boy, there's a lot of liberal indoctrination. There's no more education. It's all indoctrination is what it is now in a lot of places. Jesus paid taxes. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with taking legitimate deductions. Take all you can. But you're still to pay Uncle Sam, the U.S., your due share of taxes by law. Defrauding dishonestly with taxes. All right, now here's another one. This is a big one. By defrauding the Lord. By defrauding the Lord. Interesting how God brings illustrations just at the right time for me on what I'm preaching on. Look at this headline. I saw this like Friday. Thieves stole seventy-four thousand, seven hundred forty thousand uh, from six hundred churches, according to <laughs> Operation Thou Shalt Not Steal. You think that was a coincidence? God brought that across my path this week. These are Romanian uh, people, and uh, somehow they went in there, got checks, they got money, they did all these other kind of shenanigans. Three quarters of a million dollars. Can you imagine? Can you imagine stealing from God? Defrauding the Lord. If there's anybody I would not want to steal from, it's God. God's house. But you know what? God said, listen to this. Malachi 3.8 Will a man rob God? Surely not. And here's what God said to his people, and yet you have robbed me. What do you mean? When did we ever rob you? God says, you have robbed me of the tithes and offerings due me. Tithe means 10% of your income. If you earn $500 a month, 50 of it doesn't belong to you. Well, all of it belongs to God, but 50 of it you give to God because God, that's His. Peyton got paid recently. He's cut some yards, got paid $60. <laughs> we jumped on that real quick. We said 10% of it belongs to God, 10% of it goes on savings, and the other part, he's got to pay off some fines. And then you'll have your own money to spend. And we said, of oh, the fines, you got to pay 50% of, I mean, you got uh, 10% tithe belongs to the Lord, and he agreed with that. Another 10% goes into savings, 
So you can save up for a car one day. Then you've got 40% and 40% of what's left. 40% goes to pay off your fines. Another 40% goes to you to spend. And he said, can we make that 50%? We're like, no. 40%, 40%. So we got that filtered out. Okay, listen. Listen. Give to God what is due Him. You don't give to this church. You're really giving it to God. Saying, God, I believe you. Now, I believe most of you in here tithe. I don't know for sure. I really don't want to know. Because you know what I would do if I knew? I'd say, how do you expect God to bless you if you're robbing Him? So I'm glad I don't know. But I do believe this. If everybody were tithing, we would never run a deficit. Never. So, defrauding the Lord. Now here's this. What makes us steal? What is the motivation behind us stealing? First of all, it's unbelief. We don't believe God can provide for us. We feel like we have to manipulate it and take it ourselves. Listen to what the Bible says in Philippians 4.19. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs. Unbelief. Here's another thing that makes us want to steal is greediness. We see something, we're like, I want to have that. I don't have enough money, I want to take it anyway. That's what greediness is. Listen to what the Bible says about uh, when the, one of the Israelites stole some money, God's uh, in some jewels and stuff, and God told him, when you go into that city, don't steal anything, it all belongs to me. But there was a man by the name of Achan in Joshua 7, 20-21. They found him out. And he said, I've sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel, for I saw a beautiful robe imported from Babylon, 200 silver coins, that was a chunk of money, and a bar of gold weighing more than a pound. I wanted them so much, that's greed, that I took them. They are hidden. See, you try to hide what you've stolen in the ground beneath my tent with the silver buried deeper than the rest. Greediness. By the way, you know what God did? God had everybody stone him. That's how I remember his name. His name is Achan. I'm sure after he got stoned, he was Achan. Okay? Now, uh, laziness is another reason. Listen to what 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 10 says. While we were with you, we gave you this order. Whoever, does, whoever doesn't want to work shouldn't be allowed to eat. You know, we have done something absolutely disastrous in, that, in this country. I am all for helping poor people who are there because maybe some injury or disability or something like that. I, I'm for poor people who try to work, who try to make a living, but they just can't make ends meet. And if we have to help them out through some taxes, I'm okay to that. But there's a bunch of lazy bums who milk it off the government. I remember uh, <laughs> Rush Limbaugh a few years ago on his TV show, what, this is back in the 80s, and, and there was this bunch of group that were protesting about their welfare is going to be cut back. And so they're all going around with signs and they're going, save our safety net, save our safety net. And Rush Limbaugh comes right back on the screen and says, more like save our hammock, you know? <laughs> you know? 
because there's a bunch of lazy people who get paid government money and they live off of us. And the Bible says, whoever will not work, don't let him eat. If we cut out welfare, probably 90% of it is not legitimate. You know what would happen? All of a sudden, you would see a bunch of people applying at McDonald's. You'd see a bunch of people applying at a car wash. Because guess what? They'd be hungry. That one verse in software welfare. If a man will not work, neither let him eat. Will, will not means he's lazy. We got an ex-son-in-law. He's been on drugs and stuff like that. Can't keep a job. Lazy, lays around and everything. And as soon as all these government checks started flowing, he's been in prison, gets out, gets checks, and then his wife, who he left, Gail's daughter, in a precarious uh, perdition uh, uh, situation with two teenage kids, single mom, not making enough money to make, to make ends meet, she applies for that same money and can't get jack. And she was working. Then here's another reason we steal because of pride. We just want a nice car. And we'll do whatever it takes because we want to look great in the eyes of other people. Listen to what 1 John 2 verse 16 says, For the world offers only the lust for physical pleasure, the lust for everything we see, uh, see, and pride in our possessions. These are not from the Father. They are from this evil world. You go to my hometown, and it used to be like Ash Flat. Now, you go there, and there are houses starting at $850,000 to a million five. They're everywhere. And do you know what a lot of people do? They steal, claw their way to get in one of those big houses even though they don't have any furniture in it so they can look good among all these other rich folks. Pride, what makes us steal? Now very quickly, why should we not steal? Well, because God knows everything that we do. God knows everything. You can't hide stuff from God. Abraham Lincoln made that famous statement, you can fool all the people some of the time, and some of the people all the time, but you cannot fool all the people all the time. Listen to that again. You can fool all the people some of the time, and some of the people all the time, but you cannot fool all the people all the time. Can I add one statement to that? You can't fool God anytime. Because God knows everything we do. Listen to Job chapter 34, verses 21 through 22. God watches where people go. He sees every step they take. There is no dark place or deep shadow where those who do evil can hide from Him. You may get away with it. You may get away with it many times and nobody ever will catch you, but God already knows. And one day the Bible says, we're going to be called into account. Here's another reason... Why we don't steal is because every time it'll lead to trouble. Galatians 6, 7 says, Don't be misled. Remember, a man will always reap just the kind of crop he sows. Proverbs 15, 27, Try to make profit, oh, try to make profit dishonestly and you'll get your family in trouble. When I was youth pastor, 
first church I was a youth pastor, I remember we got a call of someone who died by suicide. It wasn't a church member, it was a church member's boyfriend. We went over to the house to try to console her. She was weeping like crazy. And here's what happened to that boyfriend. He went into a bank, did something like a sneaky check or forgery or something like that. They caught him on camera, and when he realized he was caught, he was going to go to prison. Because I will reap trouble. Now, it may not be that serious, but God says you do that, you will be paid back. You will reap what you sow. Here's another big reason, because it damages my character. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 10, verse 2. Wealth you get by dishonesty will do you no good, but honesty can save your life. Oh, I love this verse. Listen to this. Proverbs 19.1 It is better to be poor but honest than to be a lying fool. I didn't think about that verse yesterday. I was at Walmart and uh, I had to put in one of those coupons or something like that and, and uh, I told the lady, did I do that right? I said, because... I don't want to rip you off. I said, because as they say, the softest pillow is a clean conscience. Amen? And if you don't do that, what you're doing is your character, it causes a little disintegration every time you do that. Now, what if I've stolen? Oh, because my honesty will be rewarded. That's that. What if I've stolen? First thing you need to do is make restitution when possible. That's a key word. When Zacchaeus got saved, he was a tax thief. He overcharged the people in Luke 19, 18. When he got right with God and got saved, he said, if I've cheated anyone, I'll pay him back four times as much. That's a sign of repentance. You want to get it right. You want to pay it back. You don't pay it back, you'll never be walking in close fellowship with Jesus. Never. Until you deal with that. When I was a little boy, I was probably five years old or something, first time I ever stole anything. I saw some bubble gum. I wanted that bubble gum, Mariana. It looked good. And so as a little five-year-old boy, I grabbed me some bubble gum, put it right in there. Okay? Here I am. Forgot about that. I'm 19 years old and God just broke me and I get right with God. And then I start confessing my sins, okay? It's like it took me about three days, I think, to get them all out, you know, because I wanted to be clean, totally clean, right with God. And I tell you, God reminded me of that when I was five years old. You know what I did? Well, I mean, this is just me at the time. I didn't go in there and pay them there. But I wrote them a little note, and I said, when I was a little boy, I stole a piece of gum for y'all. Here's a dollar pay that back. That's probably what it costs now <laughs> with interest, but you know, I, I actually overpaid them because I wanted to make restitution about it. Here's the next thing. Give God my full tithe. God says you don't tithe to Him, you're a stealer. You're a thief. You're breaking the commands. The Bible says in Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe of your income into the storehouse. Don't play games with God. Don't say, well, here's my tithe and I'll take 5% of it, give to the regular work of the church, and I'll take 5%, 3% of it because my, 
my nephew goes to seminary, so I'm going to take 3% of my tithe over there, and I like what this organization's doing, and I'm going to give 2% of that because, you know, it's, it's doing something good. No, God says bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. God's house. Then here's another thing. Make a living honestly. Make a living honestly. And here's what will happen if you do that. You'll be a happy camper. You recognize that fellow up there? That's what you call a memoji, teenagers. When you make a little uh, emoji look like you, okay? So I was able to do that. Looks just like me, don't it? Handsome fella, isn't he? Gray hair of distinction. Uh, but here's what, here's what happens. Here's the cycle of what happens when you steal something. At first, it's like a party. Woohoo! Check this out. What I got. Nobody caught me. Here's the next stage. Shh, be quiet. Because I guarantee you, you're going to tell somebody about it. It's just your nature. Shh, don't tell anybody about it. Remember that thief going in there going, shh. Okay, here's the next stage. You start thinking, man, I hope I don't get caught. <laughs> okay, here's the next stage. Uh-oh, I think somebody found out. Here's the next stage. Oh, man, what an idiot I am. I'm going to go to jail, or I'm going to have to pay a, ten times the fine. And here's the last part. Uh, uh, uh. That's what happens when you steal, because you reap that trouble. Here's a few things, and then we're done. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, someone who has sex outside of marriage, whether before marriage or during message, marriage, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate transgender, nor homosexuals, nor thieves will inherit the kingdom of God. Now that, that doesn't mean that you can't be forgiven from that. You can be forgiven for that. You know what the Bible says in that same book, 1 Corinthians? Paul said to them, listen, you used to be these kind of people. You used to be fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, homosexuals, and, and thieves. And, and he, God told this church, the Apostle Paul said, now listen, that's not who you are anymore. I think some of them may be backslidden to homosexuality. Can a, can a Christian... Backsliding to homosexuality? Absolutely, okay? But God said if you're truly born again, you will not live in homosexuality and enjoy it. And you will not live in thievery if you're a truly born again Christian. You won't be able to put up with you because it will make you flat miserable. And God says you better be careful if you can just live with that in your life and not be convicted of it. Let me go on to here. Thou shalt not steal. Here's what happens if you do this. If you do not do so, if you don't take what I'm saying to heart, then take note. Write it down. You have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. Now, here's the good encouragement though. If you've stolen something and you feel bad about what you've done and you were guilty and you know you're guilty, look at what it says here. 
People who conceal their sins or hide their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive God's mercy. You know who the biggest thief in the Bible is? The biggest liar in the Bible is the devil. Jesus said he was a murderer from the beginning. He is a liar by his nature. The thief, the devil, comes to steal and kill and destroy your life. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life in all of its fullness. Living life. Let's bow for a word of prayer.